From the Montana Kaiman, University of Montana's independent student-run newspaper, this is the Kaiman Cast for the week of January 31st. I'm Austin Amistoy. Last year, a letter circulated among UM administration, students, and media outlets containing a plea for help. It said the residents' assistants living and working in the dorms need more support. Alex Crisp, a former RA, wrote the letter following a series of incidents in UM's Jesse Hall that led him to quit the position early. He cited, quote, ridiculous hours, unsafe conditions, toxic work circles, and manipulative overseers as examples of the challenges he faced. And he's not alone. Kaiman Features editor Mariah Thomas found other former RAs who echoed Alex's experiences, while UM Housing says it continues to reach out to RAs with concerns. This week, Alex Crisp joins me to discuss his time as an RA and his plea for change from the university. Joining me in the audio booth in Don Anderson Hall today is Alex Crisp. Alex is a sophomore at the university studying violin and classics with a concentration in Latin and a minor in history teaching. He's a member of the Grizzly Marching Band and Pep Band, where he plays trombone and electric bass. He is also a member of the Ultimate Frisbee team. Alex applied for an RA position in late 2020 and was hired on for the fall 2021 semester on Jesse Hall's second floor. There, according to the letter he distributed late last year, he experienced a series of untenable events that led him to resign early and issue a public plea that the university give more support to RAs and change the position for the better. Alex, welcome to the Kaiman cast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start with an excerpt from your letter in the opening paragraph. I just want to read it out for listeners who may have not read this themselves. I'll be quoting from this point on. I wonder how to write this message. Should I come straight out and say being a resident advisor is hell and I'm begging you, anyone, for help? Or would a gentler approach be better? Perhaps starting with, on behalf of resident assistants, I strongly request an inquiry be placed upon the conditions of their, our, work. Or maybe I could dive into explaining how we are forced to work ridiculous hours in unsafe conditions, toxic circles dominated by ineffective, manipulative overseers, and forced into abusive relationships. I'm concerned so much about how to write this because things have to change. The stress put on RAs is insane. And the worst part is, we know this. Everyone knows this. Alex, there's a lot I want to ask you, but I wanted to just start more broadly. Why did you write your letter? Well, I think why I wrote it is obvious in the fact that it was just so bad. And I think the better question is why I was able to write it. See, I was, I had a safe place to go. I had a house that I was able to move into, and so I could leave the job and I was financially secure enough to do so. Whereas most of my former coworkers don't have that ability. Most students don't have that ability to just switch their plan midway through the year and afford it and have it be as clean and easy as my transition was. So the reason I sent it out was because I could and I felt like it was the most acceptable thing I could do in leaving the job 
is to speak out. I I just wrote the letter because it was so bad and it was kind of therapeutic to get it all out. Why were you afraid of retribution from UM Housing? We were told earlier in the year during a staff meeting that um, we're not to talk to the press. It had nothing to do with how bad the job was at the time, I'm sure. It was just someone spoke to, one of the RAs spoke about the grill we had on the river to a Kaiman reporter, and housing got kind of scared about that. So in all of our staff meetings, we were told, you are not the face of housing. You don't get to speak to the press. So Alex, I wanted to break down our conversation today based on your opening words and sort of your opening statement in this letter. Um, So we'll go point by point from the things that I sort of read off the top of the episode. First, I was hoping you could expand a little bit on the hours that RAs put into the job and what your experience was like in that regard. Let's walk it through from a Sunday, just a Sunday. So on your Sunday, you probably have nothing technical, technically scheduled, unless you have a desk shift that day. And so let's just say you have your desk shift scheduled on Sunday, like I did coincidentally. So four hour desk shift. After that, you have a two hour staff meeting every Tuesday night. After that, you have um, probably like a bi-weekly committee meeting and then a quality circle bi-weekly or somewhere along those lines. So that averages out to about an hour a week of that. After that, you have four scheduled office hours. You have a bi-weekly one-on-one with your uh, CDs, oh, with your AC. Your AC is the area coordinator, the adult. You have duty night every single week, and that is counted as three hours of work. What it is, though, is you're from eight to eight, you are in the building, or at least on campus, and you don't want to get caught not being in the building. And you are there to respond to all situations. You have to go on rounds. On normal weeknights, it's two sets of rounds. So what about what about that hourly breakdown is, you know, untenable as an RA? Because, you know, I imagine the university would, or, you know, others who may not be familiar with the position would come back and say, well, you know, RAs typically get room and board, right? And, and they'd say that should be more than sufficient payment for the hours put into that position. You know, what would you respond to that? Yeah. Well, I gave you the, the tangible hours, the you know the body in place, the obvious hours. I didn't. I didn't list off the paperwork you have to do that you can't achieve in your desk shift sometimes. Which they say if you're smart, you can get things done in your desk shift, get your stuff done in office hours. But there are situations and just timing things that you can't possibly do them in those times. So you have to do them separately, like um, intentional interactions. You have to do one a series with every resident. That's where you go and you type on the computer in our system star res and you go over you answer all the questions and the check marks with all of your residents individually you also have to do um, bulletin boards and stuff that name tags and all these things and I'm only listing like the nice things right now Mm. because you live where you work and we're we're told that as RAs you live where you work you have to learn how to balance you have to learn when to not answer your door but what if and this where it gets into the 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 next level of things is what if the person knocking on your door just had the worst day of their lives? Mm. And that's the nicest thing. What if the person knocking on the door has their friend unconscious in the bathroom? Alex, how many residents did you have under your purview as an RA? 
Um, it fluctuated a bit. I think my max was like 38 or 40. And by the end, it was like averaging like 32. Okay. I, I do want to get into some of those more specific and I suppose nastier details of your experience being an RA, but I I wanted to start a little bit broadly by moving on to the next thing you had in your in your opening statement, which talked about unsafe conditions that RAs face in the dorms. What did you mean by that when you put that in your letter? That part was actually a contribution from another RA to, to include that. It's kind of two parts. It is literally the buildings are kind of weird to live in. You know, anything from a broken sink or broken toilet, which as RAs, we are told by like UM Dispatch to fix, even though we don't know how to fix a toilet. Hmm. You have those things. Um, and then another part of it is the things that we encounter and have to do in our job, we're not really trained on how to deal with them. What we wanted was to be more prepared for the reality of the things we're going to deal with. Because in our training, we weren't trained on anything. And I like the Heimlich or the CPR, we weren't taught how to do that. And you, you didn't have CPR training as an RA? We are not CPR certified. Did you have training on an AED? No. And no training on bleeding, injury? No, we we advocated for that from the beginning. What did, what do they tell you to do in the event that those things are required? Not our responsibility. We call someone who can. And by that, I mean you call the UM dispatch. And then you make sure that you are not liable. That's what we were told to do. Did they give any specifics as to how to make sure you're not liable? Well, for a person with alcohol poisoning, we were told to leave them. The second we can, leave them with someone. Do you think, because I, I can see another side to this in which the university would say, we just want our RAs to be protected from these scenarios. We don't want them to you know, be liable. We don't want them to be responsible for some of these things that are happening. Why do you feel like you, you ought to be trained in those things? Do you feel a sense of responsibility if you can't you know, carry out those duties? I feel like if I dropped down on the ground and you don't know CPR, you'd come in and try to help me right now. That's a decent human thing to do. And above the decent humanity, it's the RA's job to take care of their residents. And even though we're not their parents, we're not their saviors, RAs to residents, we're still that figure in their head. We're still that figure to everyone where we are, we know things and we are there to help. For our pay, we're not guaranteed to find a person with a knife in their gut. Why are they going to pay us a little extra to deal with that? But the fact is, even though we're not guaranteed to encounter it, you can bet your entire four years tuition that RA is going to respond, and they are guaranteed to respond if something does happen. I, that's actually a great place to jump off. I'm sure that listeners or people who may be unfamiliar with your letter or the job of an RA at this point are curious about some of the incidents that you you know faced as your time within your time as an RA, and incidents that your you know other RA coworkers faced as well. I was wondering if you could tell us about any of those instances. The second one, I had the duty phone. It was the last time I had the duty phone, I actually believe. And I just got a welfare check call from a parent and went and went and did the check. And, um, you know, the cops came to get into the room because the resident wasn't responding. They masturbated into the room and the resident was uh, unconscious. They shook the resident, no response. Shook again, said their name, still nothing. Um, 
the phone was still going off at that time. Their mom had pinged the phone. And then I finally asked the cop, like, are they alive? <laughs> and the cop said, yeah, um, just faint breathing, f- really faint heartbeat. So then, you know, ambulance came and everything. And then I heard the resident talk after the, they were, they managed to wake the resident up after a while. And hearing the resident just say what was pretty, pretty powerful to know that they weren't dead. The other one, we called it What the F*** Wednesday. If I remember right, it was 11 Maxians. Maxians are our incident report form. We're written that night in just our area. And I dealt with three of the 11. There's a resident just sitting by a tree. And I thought, nah, it's fine. They're probably just thinking. Went, through, went back and forth in my brain. Should I go over there four times? And then finally, the last one was like, fine, I'll go over and talk to them. See what's up. Thankfully, I did. And then it was an hour and a half of talking to that person. If if anyone's ever looked in the eyes of someone who thought it, there was nothing left to live for, it's a pretty powerful thing to see. Seeing the tears and the, the those words where it's like, I think it'd be better if I wasn't here. You said that night there were 11 incident reports. From the RAs that you've associated with then and since, do they share your experiences and sentiments towards the the role? They think so. Um, like with the letter, I didn't send it until like 20 other RAs had seen it and several of which had contributed to it. And not a single one was like, you're wrong. Not a single one disagreed or disliked it. All of them were like, go for it. Light them up. Mm. Our features editor at the Cayman, uh, Mariah Thomas, has been chatting with other former RAs about their experiences. Alex and I wanted to play you a couple of clips to get your thoughts on what you hear. Um, this first one is from Ember Cuddy, a junior at UM who was an RA in Miller Hall from fall 2019 to fall 2020. They said that they sometimes felt adequately supported by the university and said that their area coordinator was helpful in a number of situations, but they mentioned uh, several difficult and sometimes traumatic situations, including one involving um, a resident with suicidal ideations who would text them nearly daily for a couple weeks with negative thoughts before the university stepped in. Um, so I just wanted to play this clip from Ember real fast and, and get your thoughts. At one point when I was an RA, I was so stressed all the time from everything going on around me. I was having trauma nightmares and panic attacks pretty regularly. Nightmares where I was stressed about like specific residents in my hall. That was literally the only time that anyone from U of Housing like actually gave a shit enough to like put their foot down and be like, okay, so something is wrong. I remember Ember, they would say hi to me in the food zoo every day when I was a freshman. And Ember was one of those RAs where I was like, I wanna be like them. You know, the cool RA, the one that everyone smiles at. But uh, I don't know if Ember wants me to say this, but the final Saturday before, um, after I told them I was quitting, the final Saturday of move-out day um, last semester, Ember was working at Liquid Planet, and I went over and ordered um, food, and they they had read the letter, and they just high-fived me. Hmm. Yeah. 
This next one is from Cheyenne Angstrom, who was an RA in Panzer Hall during the 2020-2021 school year, but dropped out shortly after, in part due to the experiences they had as an RA. They cited a number of problems during their time, but one of the most standout was a resident they described as being creepy toward them. He would knock on Cheyenne's door while they showered and ask desk clerks where Cheyenne was when they weren't working their shift, even making attempts to follow Cheyenne to their work as a UM catering employee. When they brought it up with their supervisor, here's Cheyenne talking about what the response was. She would tell me to email her personally, not through my housing email or her housing email, but her personal email. Not, and she told me specifically to not write a report about it because then he would get in trouble and like all of these things. And so to the point where like, I didn't tell her after that if he did anything else because I felt like it was gonna get me nowhere. And it's just like, it was frustrating and like dehumanizing because then it was like, oh, my problems, like my genuine concerns about these people are not real because they weren't getting addressed. So they didn't matter. I remember remember Shai mentioned this to me at one point and um, it was kind of weird to think about how when I became an RA, housing lived up to that, that level of let's not be consistent in how we work. But I think if I could steer this using all of this, I want you to go back to when I went over the weekly schedule at its bare minimum. I want you to imagine classes on top of that having friends on top of that and now imagine sleeping in a dorm where there's a person down the hall or on another floor who is creepy towards you that's just another thing Mm. it's just one thing on top of another and you never have time to recover from train from the first day of training week you never have time to recover Mm. alex marai spoke with john nugent the Director of Residential Education and Community Standards uh, at the university about the issues raised by some of these RAs and the issues raised in your letter. Um, And I'm going to quote a little bit of what he said in response. He said, anytime I have received a complaint from a student or resignation and they talk about the concerns they had, we follow up and we offer that student the opportunity to come and meet either directly with the director or with one of the other directors. Uh, and talk through things, ask for specific examples, see if there are steps we can take or other people we can talk to to understand what the situation might be. And often we're not taken up on that, but sometimes we are and we try to have good conversations and provide context. And we extended that opportunity to this situation as well. Nugent there is referring to the letter that you sent. Did you speak with Nugent or anyone else about your letter, your concerns? Well, first up, I did have the meeting with John Nugent and talked about it and asked him questions and he went through and he wrote down quotes from me. But I, I want to go back to often that opportunity isn't taken up to do the meeting. And I want you to imagine that you just went through five, nine months of a job that drove you through hell, or at least drove you extreme, extremely tired and you were free, you quit. Do you want to go back and relive it? What would you hope? UM housing does differently or changes based on your letter and the response it's received? Anything. When I wrote it and sent it, I didn't think it was going to do anything. Everyone around me said it's not going to do anything. It's just going to be shoved under the rug. We're going to Christmas break. So what I hope happens is just 
anything to happen, any improvement. If it's providing free therapy, which is like the bare minimum of what we all think we RAs deserve, then that'd be enough. What would you say to the people who might listen to parts of this or read parts of your letter who may be familiar with the job description of an RA and say, well, that's the RA's role and you should have known that going in. How would you respond to that? I would invite that person to ask themselves a question and a question of everyone around them. How many lives did you save last semester? Think about that number, because you can bet your ass that an RA has saved much more, and that weighs on you every day. And you may think that it feels amazing to save a person's life, but that's the glory of it. You don't see the hours that lead into it. If you can answer that question and think, okay, that's reasonable for a 20-year-old taking anywhere from 15 to 21 credits to encounter on a random ass Monday night. If you can say, yeah, that's okay, then yeah, say, then yeah, I should have known about it. We all should have known about it. But if you have the sanity to realize that's not okay, then this job is not okay and you can accept that. Once again, University of Montana, former RA Alex Crisp joining me on the Kymen Cast, sharing his story about a letter he submitted to UM Housing asking for change in the position. Alex, thank you. Thank you. On January 26th, the ASUM Senate passed a resolution calling for solutions from UM Housing addressing the issues raised by CRISP and other RAs. Senator Elizabeth Boll sponsored the resolution, which asks UM Housing to hire additional desk clerks, offer reduced cost or free counseling to RAs, increase pay to RAs, and reduce the number of non-contracted hours they work. I hope that this empowers RAs to realize that they can make change. You just got to speak out about it. Just got to tell someone. Um, that's what ASUM is here for. And so I'm hoping that that kind of comes together at the end. The fact that student employees should work more than 28 hours a week and also just their job duties should be accurately reflected and they're probably not going to take it for much longer if they're not. The resolution passed with unanimous support. Stay tuned for an episode of The Second Look this Monday. Alex Crisp's residents will share their thoughts on their former RA and the impact he left behind. The Kaiman Cast is produced and edited by me, Austin Amistoy. Additional reporting by Mariah Thomas. That's it for this week's episode. Next time, we'll experience Valentine's Day through the eyes of queer students and Missoulians. I'll see you there.